Welcome back to the Stories from the Woods podcast. We continue the Train from Nowhere story with Chapter 3, Glass Valley. If you remember, Emily and Steve were about to cross the bridge out to an elevator following Azor. Steve, I just can't do this. Steve said, Just close your eyes and follow me. Emily was sweating now, but she started to follow Steve with her eyes closed. She went real slow. Come on! We can't take all day. I'm scared, Steve. Just don't rush me. Azor looked behind and noticed they were lagging. You need to come now. The elevator is ready. Steve and Emily finally made their way to the elevator after a slow and frightful journey for Emily. They enter the elevator, and they look up, and Emily says, Those monkey creatures are going to crank us down? That's not happening. Although it was too late now, the elevator door had been closed, and the elevator was starting to go down. Steve, though, enjoys the view as they slowly go down into the elevator that's hundreds of feet above the valley. Come on, Emily. you got to check this out. The view is really great. Emily is crying all the way down, in tears and frightened for her life. They finally reach the bottom, and they step out onto the valley. Emily is in relief. I'm glad that's over. And Steve is taking a look at the ground below them. He realizes it's not made of real glass. It is shiny and clear, but there are tiny grooves in the surface, and it makes it easy to walk on. How are we going to find the dagger? said Steve. I would suggest you look at the map and clues that Lyris provided. Oh yeah, forgot about those. He grabbed his satchel and pulled out the clue. The first clue read, The dagger you seek lies underneath your feet. It is trapped in the middle of the valley. Huh, I'm not quite sure what that means, said Steve. So he pulls out the map and he looks at the valley. The map contains numbers on the sides, and symbols on the top. The map is a grid. That's all it is. Steve looks at the map a little longer and tries to figure out how the clue and the map might work together. I get it now. The middle of the valley must be the middle of this grid on the map. We can figure out the middle by looking at the squares on the map and counting them. So, yeah, I think we can make it to the middle. I guess we can figure out the other part of the clue when we get there. Steve counts the squares on the grid and determines the coordinates in which they need to follow. And then, on the map, he notices the elevator and the bridge, and he determines roughly where they may be right now and how far they need to go. I think this is going to be a longer walk than what we anticipated. Steve, Emily, and Azor start to walk in the direction that Steve points. Emily is just happy to be on solid ground down below. Finally, after a long time of walking, Steve believes they have reached the general area. I think it's in this general area, so let's go look around. Emily, you go that way, and Azor, you can go over there. Yes, I can do that. And they split off. Some time passes, and finally, Steve finds the dagger. I found it! I found it! It's right here! It's right underneath the ground! Emily comes running over. Where is it? 
Oh, it's over there! Azor takes a little more of his time as he lumbers his way to the spot. How are we going to get this out of the ground? I didn't bring any tools, neither did Emily. But, Azor, do you have any experience around here? Well, this ground looks like glass, but does not break. It may be clear, but it's just like any other ground you know. Emily immediately starts digging in the ground. It's just like digging a hole in our backyard. Steve quickly gets down on his knees as well and starts digging with his hands. After several minutes of digging, Steve grabs the dagger. There's also a sheath. The dagger appears to be made out of glass. Steve puts the glass dagger inside the sheath and then wraps it around his waist without thinking about it at all. Emily doesn't even really get a chance to check it out. Hey, Steve, can I see it? Steve pulls out the dagger and shows Emily. And after the excitement passes, Steve says, Azor, I think we should head back to the mountain now. We did get the dagger. No, we have two more items to get. And the next one is in the Midnight Cave, which is much closer than the mountain. We will go back to the mountain when we have all three items. Okay, can we at least rest here for a while and eat? Yes, we can rest here. So they sit down, pull out some of their food and drink from their satchel, and start to eat under the hot sun. As they are eating, they notice someone is approaching them. It's a large creature who appears to be a soldier of some sort, based on the fact that he is wearing armor, has weapons, and has a very stern demeanor. It is a massive beast that has similarities and characteristics of a rhinoceros. But without the horn, Azor stands up. Sir, how can I help you? I am Marley. I am a soldier of the Salt Army. And I was sent out here to check on the Glass Valley. For our army is responsible for this area. I apologize for calling you a sir when you are a woman. Why does the Glass Valley have concern with Betten and his salt army. Betten has asked us to watch over this, for there are strange things happening in Izo now. I was given instructions, and I follow them as a soldier of the army, says Marley. Steve shouts out of turn. Well, Lyris requested us to come to this valley. Azor gives him a hard look that implies that he will take care of the situation. Interesting, says Marley. We were not aware of this plan. How long do you plan to stay here? We are actually on our way out of the valley. We were just finishing eating. We have other places to be. Then I shall lead you out of the valley. No, thanks. I'm very capable of getting us out of this valley. Plus, we are headed to a specific spot. That happened to be the Midnight Cave, says Marley. This is another area we are keeping watch on. It is, but I'm not sure why it matters. Why are you visiting these specific areas? These were areas we were asked by Lyris to watch specifically. I will follow you to the Midnight Cave. Azor is getting annoyed by this point, but he does allow Marley to follow them and start to walk towards the cave. They walk for a while... Very little conversation happens, but they do learn a little bit more about each other. Finally, 
they arrive at the cave entrance just about sundown. We shall rest here and then enter tomorrow when light rises. Since it is already dark in this cave, it is best we stay out here where there is at least the moonlight. I suggest we stay inside the cave. I see a storm coming from the west. They all agree, and they start to head into the cave. Emily, Steve, and Azor are inside the cave when they notice that Marley is lagging behind. And as they turn around to look for her, they hear a loud sound. <laughs> and the cave door is blocked. We're trapped! I'm sorry, but I need to keep you here until the rest of my party joins me so we can investigate what is going on here, for I do not trust you yet. The cave is pitch black. They notice a bright moonlight glow coming from their left. They wonder if there's a hole in the top where the moonlight is shining through. But as they turn, they notice the light is not coming from up above, but the light is shining upward. And they all turn and look at each other, thinking, could it be? This concludes Chapter 3, Glass Valley, from the story, Train from Nowhere. This podcast features the song, A Dinner and a Rabbit, by Mute Stare, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial License. We hope you enjoyed this episode from the Stories from the Woods podcast. Please leave us feedback as well as coming back to listen to our next episode.